Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Good morning to you. I hope you're well. It's Gareth O'Callaghan for PJ uh, today and tomorrow. Lovely to be here and looking out at that weather this morning. I know there's a bite. There's a cruel, cruel bite in how cold it is out there. I think it's around about zero, maybe even minus one or two this morning um, in a very cold northeasterly wind. So wrap up warm. It's one of those days that if you're carrying a bag on your shoulder, which I was earlier on, it uh, takes about 15 minutes to actually, you know, refamiliarize yourself with your fingers again. And uh, after my accident with my fingers last year, I, I look at them and I think, thank goodness you're still there. I hope you're well. I hope you had a nice weekend. And uh, if you would like to get in contact with us, please do. We'll be here with you until midday. And as I say, PJ will be back with you on Wednesday morning. Whatever takes your fancy, whatever maybe you notice, some things perhaps that you'd like to chat about, something that happened over the weekend. Uh, there's lots happening between now and 12. I can guarantee you that, and I hope you can stay with us. A couple of the stories that caught my eye today. Um, a wonderful story, and it comes from the Sun newspaper. Uh, the mum of a little girl left fighting for her life after the Dublin stabbings has said the child, quote, has shown incredible strength and is still here with us. The five-year-old was badly injured by the knifeman in the attack outside her city centre school on the 23rd of November. And she last night remained in a critical condition at Temple Street Children's Hospital after being stabbed outside Gwales called Kalashawira. A very, very well-done landmark for, oh, decades, decades, almost 100 years on Parnell Square East. And a GoFundMe set up for the girl and her family has since reached over 23,500 euro from 1,500 uh, donations so far. And the organiser has shared a message from the girl's grateful mother over the weekend. Her mum said, Dear all, thank you so much for the incredible gesture and kindness you have shown our family during these troubled times. Your thoughts, prayers and generosity have and will go a long way. Our little girl has shown incredible strength and is still here with us. We don't know yet what lies ahead, as it's still early, but she's resilient and limitations will not stop her. Thank you so much, all the love we can give. And it's heartening to read that, even though that little girl has got a long, long journey ahead of her, as have her family, but um, there have been a lot of very, very upsetting um, comments made on social media platforms over the last few days about the little girl's well-being and I'm delighted that her mum has come out and has finally confirmed that she's here 
and she's fighting for her life and not to give up on the prayers and the thoughts and the beautiful comments from so many people not just here in Ireland but all over the world and I think that's a lovely way to start the the show this week at least there's hope and as long as there's hope well everything else tends to fall into place and things feel an awful lot better um on the daily mail this morning the front page over half dubliners reluctant to visit city center more than half of people living in Dublin are reluctant to visit the city centre after recent riots there. A total of 56% of those polls said they're visiting the city centre less often or have stopped visiting completely because of concerns about crime and safety compared to 40% of all adults throughout Ireland. Now there's a double page uh, set of results of this people's poll from Amorok Research um, and the Irish Daily Mail itself. Uh, 55% of people polled agreed that they would visit Dublin city centre more often if there were more Gardaí present on the streets. Uh, That's rising to 61% of Dubliners. Now, this is probably the most interesting aspect, uh, the outcome of this survey, because... Um, I was in Dublin over the weekend and it was a pleasant enough weekend. It was cold, but it was dry. And I've always said that a walk around Dublin City is, is uh, it, in many respects, there's places I love going, places that have never changed. Now, there are many places, including the main thoroughfare on O'Connell Street, which uh, I've never felt comfortable in probably 10 to 15 years walking down, certainly not once it starts to get dark. Uh, but I would concur that if there were more Gardaí present, that we probably would get an awful lot more people happy to just leisurely stroll along the streets. And also, you know, it's not just visiting the city centre, it's the retail trade. And retail trades all over the country here are watching what will happen in Dublin in the coming months. Now, a lot of people believe that these riots won't happen again. I would probably think differently. Uh, I think if it happened once, there's always a huge possibility that it will happen again. And uh, the the noisemakers and the agitators who uh, rallied together these people who rioted and looted the shops and burnt out three buses and a Lewis, endangering the drivers' lives in many in many of in, the, in all of those cases. These people they're really just looking for another opportunity to do it. Now, a lot of them have been lifted and brought to court and they're awaiting cases coming up in January and February. There are more to follow, according to the Gardaí. But um, according to the Irish Independent, this morning, councillors were on site in Arnott's last week to help the workers there deal with the trauma following the horrific knife attack at that school that sparked the city riots. The aftermath of the rampage is still being felt by frontline workers at Dublin bus, department stores, hotels and news agents who were under siege on that night, uh, the 23rd of November. Some of those who were caught up in the chaos spoke to the Independent and many were reluctant to describe their experience for fear of retaliation by the mob who wreaked havoc in the city centre. And, uh, of course, a, a lot of people from all over the country, and considering that next Friday is the 8th, 
it's always been a traditional day for uh, people who don't usually visit Dublin to, to head to Dublin by bus and by train and do a spot of Dublin shopping. But Arnott's general manager, Alma Handley, said that the 23rd of November was the worst day since she began working at the department store more than 20 years ago. There are conflicting reports about uh, the, the damage and the loss and the, the uh, expected amount that, the, the, well, I suppose that they're going to have to foot the bill for. But they're saying today that the merchandise lost due to looting and the damage done to the shop amounts to over €100,000 and footfall there is down 20% on last year. So that's just a brief look at that. And while it's Dublin-based, I think the entire country and beyond is watching to see what happens because... You know, what happens in Dublin eventually, there's a huge possibility, of course, that it can happen elsewhere. And when you consider that Cork is the second biggest city in the country, um, a lot of the Gardaí here, and I've spoken to a couple of them, have said that they're concerned that if they don't get the facilities they need to step up the protection and the surveillance and the policing, that uh, they're very, very worried about what will happen if there's another tipping point. And let's hope that doesn't happen for a very, very long time. Now, 0833 96 96 96 is our number. That's for WhatsApp messages. We've got some lovely giveaways as well this morning. Uh, I can tell you for a start that if... Uh, you fancy vouchers, if you fancy lovely prizes, we've got them all and I'll tell you more about that as we work our way through the morning. Now, uh, that number again, 083 96 Now, last week uh, we spoke to Mike, who works in door security, and also to Mary Crilly from the Sexual Violence Centre about the rise in drink spiking in Cork. Hayley O'Connell Vaughan is with the Communications and uh, is, is Communications and Engagement Officer in UCC, and they have launched a poster campaign to curb the instance, uh, the incidence of spiking on student nights out. And Hayley joins me now. Morning to you, Hayley. Good morning. How are you? Very well, thank you. Uh, tell me a little bit about the background to this campaign. This is something that it's not new, but it's becoming more frequent, isn't it? Yeah, um, so this poster campaign used to be used, or still is used by um, some societies for the balls that they were hosting in the last couple of years. Um, And this year in the Students' Union, we decided to get in on board with the poster campaign that was developed by Safe Gigs and put them up in venues that we were working with for our Freshers' Weeks. And we'll do it again for Rag Week. And it's just kind of posters about signposting people to where they can go if they have been spiked and also just opening the conversation up around spiking, letting people know that it does happen and also that the venues that the posters are in that we've worked with, they're aware that we've put the posters up and we've talked to them about the prevalence of spiking. So it kind of just gives people that extra layer of reassurance that the dialogue is very much open for them there. What sort of spiking is most common? Is it pills dropped into drinks? Yeah. I think so. I'm actually, I wouldn't be too sure. I know that spiking by injection was a massive, massive issue um, for one of the students' unions a couple of years ago and there was a lot of um, communications done around that. But I would think that the most common is still the in the drinks, yeah. And when you say injections, now I know PJ talked about this last week, but just to come back to it, I was listening to it and... Um, this is where an individual will just brush by someone and just stab them with a needle. Is that the case? Yeah, yeah. 
And what what would be in the syringe, or do you know? <laughs> I'm actually not too sure. Um, for all the kind of technical questions, we would usually refer to you know the relevant services. Um, we're very lucky that the Sexual Violence Centre is actually one of our RAG charities again this year. So we've been working quite closely with them and we refer people to the hospital as well for the toxicology screenings and the Gardaí, of course. But we kind of just are there for proactive measures and also just to signpost people about where to go. Um, our welfare officer would deal with any cases that come in with us and she have great ties with the local services in Cork about where people can get support and yeah. Mm. I think rohypnol, which is a well-known um, suppressant, has been used a lot of the time, isn't it? That's, it's a name, certainly, that it, 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 uh, it's cropped up in conversation a fair bit, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we've heard of that before. Yeah. Okay, so uh, tell me about the poster campaign. The posters are being distributed and put up all over Cork City, is that the case? Um, yeah, more or less. I mean, where we will run events. Um, one of our biggest focus as a students' union team this year was to actually bring a lot of our events back to campus. So we're very lucky that we have really great facilities in UCC and we have a massive hall and everything. So we put up the posters there. Um, but during Freshers' Week, we did put them in a few other venues in town where we were doing events. And it's just kind of instructions on like what spiking is and what to do if you have been spiked and things like you know tell someone you trust make sure that you seek medical help straight away and um, contact the guardian if you're comfortable and also inform the venue that it did happen there um but the welfare officer on students union as well is equipped to like bring people through all of these things because it can be very hard to go and you know seek medical attention or contact the guardian by yourself especially if you're not very if you're not sure exactly what's happened to you a lot of the time people can be very confused so that's our role is to kind of support our students through that and get them to use their union for what it's there for. Well, I, I assume a lot of people who've been victims to this are also very extremely unwell after the incident, aren't they? And they, they, can, all, they can also black out. Yeah, I'd imagine so. And like, it can just be extremely confusing and dangerous. So yeah, it's uh, definitely not an easy thing to, then to be thinking about, oh, what do I need to actually do to... Um, make a case or anything so that's kind of what we're there for we're there for that type of support Right, Mary Crilly Mary was talking to PJ last week here on the Opinion Line and she was saying that you used posters at uh, a function at a hotel recently Yeah, so that would have been um, the societies um, in UCC as well They we do a ball and they do a ball as well and they distributed the posters to a lot of their societies to hang up for the society balls in the hotel And there were no spiking issues that night? None that were reported to us anyway. Um, oh, okay. So it's yeah. it's proven very effective. Yeah, we're hoping so. I'm like, there's, you know, a lot of people kind of be like, oh, do you know what's the benefit of putting a poster on a wall? It's not really going to deter anyone. But I do think and hope that like opening that kind of dialogue and raising awareness is a very powerful tool in itself. Like if people know what to look out for and they know that the people organising the event and also the venue are going to be very vigilant in this, I would think that it would deter people. Um, and also that if someone did get spiked, that they'd know exactly what to do, which is very powerful. Yeah, and I think, yeah, I suppose the effectiveness of the post is really, it, it brings the whole subject to mind, doesn't it? You're, you're conscious of the fact yeah. that it could actually happen. So it, it is very effective. Yeah. And it's a horrible thing for students to have to worry about when they're just going out and trying to have fun. But it is kind of our responsibility as a union to give people access to this information because unfortunately it does happen. And we can't stop that, but we can absolutely empower people to, you know, 
uh, seek the right help and also hopefully decrease the incidents and the amount of incidences by opening up that dialogue and we've got very strong links with the sexual violence centre and with Mary Crilly and we're very grateful for that and we always know where to send people and where to get support so that's really beneficial to us. What do, what should someone do, Haley, if they if they feel they they have been injected, if they feel that that stab pinch of a needle? Yes, yeah, so I suppose the first thing is to like notify someone that you trust if you can. Like the mo- top priority is making sure that you get somewhere where you feel safe. And um, seeking medical attention is so important as well because again, it, drugs obviously affect people in many different ways, and someone could have a way more severe reaction to the same type of drug than somebody else. So seeking medical help immediately is so important. Um, and then if you're comfortable coming into the student union, talking to the welfare officer, contacting the Gardaí, and also if you're comfortable informing the venue or letting us do it on your behalf to let them know that something like this did happen on their premises and, you know, it might get people to think t- twice about the kind of procedures they have in place for cases like this. Okay. Nice to talk to you this morning, Hayley. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. Thank you. That's Haley O'Connell, Vaughan Communications and Engagement Officer with UCC Student Union. And I, we'll, we'll find out a little bit more about those posters, particularly if you're interested in displaying them at your venue, particularly coming up to Christmas and the New Year. Now, it's your final week of Cork's 96FM's 10,000 uh, euro toy giveaway, the 10K giveaway. We've still got loads of 500 euro toy shopping sprees to give away for free. So what you've got to do every day, each day this week, is listen after 8, 11, 2 and 5. Text or WhatsApp us with the daily password, all right? Now, if we call you back, you're in the draw to win after 6 p.m. with Izzy. Okay, we've got two toy shopping sprees to give away each day. Cork's 96 FM's 10K toy giveaway with your local credit union, helping you have a wonderful Christmas only on Cork's 96 FM. Today's password is ELF, E-L-F, ELF. Okay, that's today's password, ELF, and we'll talk to a qualifier after 11 o'clock this morning on the show. Now, if you were caught up in the flight cancellations or you were trying to get into or get out of Germany over the last couple of days, I've never seen snow like this in Germany in my life. A load of flights were cancelled over the weekend because of the snow in Germany. And this has had a a huge knock-on effect impacting airlines and flights all over Europe. Ten Irish flight cancellations, uh, as far as I know. Also in travel news, the hassle of trying to get a refund for a cancelled flight might be a thing of the past now. So this is all good news, as there's good news coming to us from the EU. Owen Corrie is editor of Air and Travel magazine. Good morning to you, Owen. Oh, good morning, Gareth. Uh, I've never seen anything like the snow in Germany. This is like something you'd expect in, say, March in in New York or in Boston, but um, it it was extraordinary. Yeah, it it grounded Munich. It got a particular dump in Munich. Frankfurt wasn't as badly affected. As you say, the knock-ons are still going on. We've lost a Munich flight and a Frankfurt flight today uh, from Dublin. But uh, what happens is aircraft get stranded. There was some suggestion we get it open by midday on Saturday, but the snow kept coming. The upside of that, Gareth, is the ski resorts of Dublin are, are, of the Alps, are heaving with snow. In fact, some of them were closed because there were 
too much snow and it's sort of a big opening week and next week's a big opening week. So we're going to have the best uh, pre-Christmas skiing we've seen in about eight years. So it's a pretty good time to head for the slopes for anyone thinking of doing it. Absolutely. We'll go back to that in a moment. But one of the things, uh, whenever I've, I've sort of flown into Germany, it's usually to connect with one of the long distance trains to get elsewhere. They've all been hugely impacted, haven't they, coming out of Munich? Absolutely. And, and you're right, to Gareth, to say this thing. People talk about internal flights, but if you have a train system, that's something that we in Ireland never got our heads around. Uh, you know, the, the, you can actually can, uh, get off uh, a flight in Frankfurt and Munich. There are two main access points, mainly Frankfurt, and uh, get the train to Berlin or somewhere as quick as you would uh, taking a connecting flight. It's a terrific service. Uh, the trains all run to the minute and uh, they are all interconnected. And to the extent that you can, with Lufthansa, and it's the same in France, uh, your airline ticket works on the train as well. So in some cases, as I have done, you go into a train station, buy an air ticket, produce your boarding pass on your phone with your air ticket, get on your train, and then get off the train and onto the flight. It's a magnificent system. Um, It works really, really well in countries that have train systems. And the three outstanding examples of that are not just France and Germany, but Spain, which has put a hugely uh, comprehensive high train speed, uh, high speed train network into place in the last few years. Really, really works. And of course, you, you, it's uh, very good for the environment. It might mean that you get back on Greta Thunberg's Christmas card list. <laughs> yeah. uh, and the, the thing which the, I'm not which I'm not on at the moment no, well, Gareth, I'm, no I'm definitely not on it either um, no I, in fact I don't think she's aware of my, my uh, of who oh, I am oh she is I'm sure she is I'm sure she has all your books <laughs> on the shelves somewhere and <laughs> uh, the, just talking about Munich and uh, Daishaban and the, the railway stations we'll come back to the refunds in a moment for anyone who hasn't been to a German railway station, particularly I know the main one in Munich, it's almost like walking into an international airport, isn't it? It's an emporium and it's got everything. I think uh, they even have a Christmas marker at this time of the year. It's uh, fabulous, well organised. Uh, the um, you know the, the directions, getting getting to platforms, getting to exactly where you are uh, is pretty. Uh, it's very well organised. The apps. Uh, that you have from Deutsche Bahn and the apps to from the it's from the airlines and from your ordinary Google Maps will actually direct you to platforms. Uh, your train is going to be in eight minutes' time. You can then calculate how fast you have to run with uh, two children under one arm and two bags <laughs> under the other. And it all it's it's all fantastic. There is a, a cautionary tale. This is a bit of a diversion, but I did a, a wonderful overnight. I was coming from one side of the Alps to the other, which is quite complicated. I was in I think. And I was going to one of this uh, bad gas down in Austria. So I came by train uh, through Geneva, Zurich, and I got on this overnight wonderful sleeper. It was going out to Sarajevo, and I had my little cabin, and I put my pajamas on, and I set, set my phone off so to know how far I would be from the uh, 
station I was supposed to be getting off. And of course, at, at some stage when I was checking, I pressed the wrong place. So I thought I was 100 kilometers away, only to look out the window of the snow and see that this was the station I was supposed to be getting off. <laughs> so it was one of the most quickest exits off a sleeper train you ever saw in your life. But I did make it off before I ended up in Sarajevo. <laughs> the train system in Europe is absolutely fast. Can you imagine, Gareth, if somebody in Ireland at some stage had said, let's put a high-speed uh, train network in, let's make it 45 or 50 minutes from Cork to Dublin, another 45 minutes to Belfast. How, what that would do for mm. going to matches, for uh, going to over for the weekend, even, you know, commuting would mm. take the housing pressures off if we had a train system in Ireland that worked. But unfortunately, they, they, they weren't in school that they, they were teaching that for the rest of the European countries. Mm, yeah, I, I, I know. I, I, like, I, I re- I'm, I'm a regular commuter on the, the, the Cork to Dublin route and th- they're improving it all the time but ha- having got to know so many people working for Irish Rail, that's that's one of their big grievances that, you know, that, that, that unfortunately the system was torn apart when railway tracks were removed and the land was sold back in the 1950s and if that had been left in place we the, the, I suppose the the infrastructure would have been there to improve but I don't think we'll ever get that back again. You know, if you look at a map of the railway network in the 1880s, it's magnificent. And if somebody could ride from Germany, they expect us to have a train service. They, you know, they want to go from Dublin to Cork. First of all, it costs more than the flight from Berlin to Dublin. And then uh, the service, like, while it has improved, you know, I do remember Friday evening trains where people were just standing, crammed, uh, as if it was cattle trucks. And that's only about 10 or 15 years ago. But uh, things have improved. But it's nowhere near where it should be for us to be a modern train using country and this is the week of COP28 in Dubai it's something that the uh, Irish ministers who were out there should be scratching their heads about when they come home I know uh, Leo Varadkar has said uh, in terms of investment heavy rail is the most expensive thing you can invest in but when you start taking long term considerations into it something that maybe they should be factoring more or spending a little bit more time thinking about yeah, absolutely. Now let's let's talk about the hassle of trying to get a refund for a cancelled flight. That might be a thing of the past now. Is that the case? It's not really that it's going to be a thing of the past, but what we have from the European Union is a little bit of a better consideration of how the system works. And the airline ticket is a very complicated thing. Uh, it, I know that some of your listeners will be quite surprised at that because it's become almost like getting a bus ticket from Cork to Dublin. Um, the real uh, complicated stuff happens when there's more than one uh, destination involved where you've got a connecting flight, things like that. That's where the European Union has started to put legislation in place. And the reason that they got so animated about this was the system, when it broke down during the pandemic, it broke down quite spectacularly. Oddly enough, um, the travel agents of Ireland, who are a noble group of people who, uh, you know, the people have been predicting their extinction for many years, but uh, they do a tremendous service because they take the complicated bits of travel. Uh, Everybody just does the easy bit themselves where they go to book a flight to Malaga or whatever. Um, But the complicated bits are left and they do that and they do things like the honeymoons and the uh, five uh, f- five leg flights that people have to take 
and they got caught very badly because uh, they've taken money off their customers, passed it on to the suppliers, airlines, not just airlines, but cruise companies as well. When the crunch came, the customers rightly wanted their money back and the suppliers refused to give it back to the travel agents. I know one travel agent in Chile who paid out nearly 200000 out of his own money uh, refunding customers and waited nearly a year and a half to get it back from suppliers and in some cases never got it back. So all of those uh, things happened and the European Union now has a system, it has a proposed law, it has to right wing its way through Parliament and through all of the uh, governments, the states, the, 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 the different governments also uh, have to discuss this but it's basically giving very strict time limit. Uh, the supplier pays the travel agent back in seven days the travel agent pays the customer back in 14. There's a whole lot of other, a load of other bits and pieces but the real breakthrough here is that it's the first legal recognition I've seen that um, there usually is a middleman in a complicated travel uh, transaction. The likes of Ryanair they say don't use a middleman just book our flight mm. but that's great if you're flying from A to B a lot of people um, would like to fly for, to an airport that doesn't have a direct connection from Dublin and as you know there's only about 55 direct connections from Cork so very often there'll be a second connection Cork uh, is a big user of transfers through Amsterdam for instance so a lot of uh, flights are not just point to point they involve two legs and those come complicated bits are what the EU is looking at in terms of legislation. They're looking at minimum transfer times, more information for passengers. They're really standing... The EU has been the one that's been standing up for the consumer down the years. In Irish history, we've loads of people standing up for business and and the trade unions have been very strong for uh, standing up for employees. The consumer was sometimes left out. This is an intervention on behalf of the consumer and it's really... um, It's probably based, it's based somewhat on what happened during the pandemic, but it's also based on what happened when we had a few um, major airline failures. Uh, the most recent that affected Irish customers was more in Belfast than anywhere else was Flybe. Uh, but we, the airlines fail and um, we, while we never might see a pandemic again, it's quite likely that other little complicated things will come along. And the European Union legislation is designed to make sure that the uh, consumer is not out of pocket and gets his money back. Yeah. Is there, I take it this is going to be one of the busiest Christmases for people getting away for the couple of weeks, both sort of late December and January and February, particularly the ski slopes. Is ski slopes good? Actually, the quietest time of the year, the best time for prices to travel is the run up to Christmas. Uh, people are thinking of turkeys and uh, wrapping paper and tinsel. They don't tend to think of travelling at this time of the year. That all changes in the week of Christmas. We will have a very busy Christmas in Cork Airport. Back to ahead of pre-pandemic levels. Not every airport in Europe is at that level. Some of them are still a little bit behind. And um, But if you're looking for a bargain, um, the first two weeks in December are a great time to go. Not just for um, the ski slopes, but also for the uh, Canary Islands. Um, that's really our sun location. You don't 
have that many choices because uh, it, it's an eight-hour flight really to get to Sun unless you go to the Canaries off Ireland, mm-hmm. and that really is our our place of choice. But if you look at the way prices work uh, on the websites, everybody plays this little game at the airlines. Uh, when it's a good pride time to book, when it's a good time to get the best price. First two weeks in December, you can count on it every year as offering you the very, very best value for money you'll see through the 12 months. That's great news. Okay. Owen, as always, a great pleasure to talk to you. Happy Christmas to you. Tremendous pleasure, Cara. Thank you. Talk to you very soon. Take care. Thank you. That's Owen Carey there, editor of Air and Travel magazine. Um, Always got a very uplifting chat to Owen because he always has some good news from somewhere. Uh, At some point, you know, just when you need it, you kind of think yourself. It's a beautiful sunny morning, but I'm sure it would even be better if I was lying on a beach in Fuerteventura. Um, and speaking of the Canaries, a couple of friends of mine have got great deals actually this week, and they're actually listening, I think, to the show now somewhere in Lanza. So if that's you, uh, to Pat and Maura, hello to both of you this morning. Although, judging by uh, your um, your <laughs> your schedule it's probably a little bit early in the morning anyway uh, John says flights from London to Cork were delayed by four hours yesterday too Gareth and there's still a huge knock on effect because Germany's still very heavily affected by that snow so please be very careful in terms of booking um, make sure that when you book that you're booking and you're not going to get stalled somewhere along the route okay 083 396 96 96 now I mentioned we've got some gorgeous uh, prizes and presents and gifts to give away coming up to Christmas and we've got a couple to give away in the show this week PJ will be back with you on Wednesday it's Gareth here between now and then 083 396 96 96 and uh, we've got something very special for Blarney Woolen Mills to give away as well which I'll tell you more about very very soon now um Residents in the Mayfield area of the city were annoyed recently after a sign was erected to welcome visitors to the area. And uh, I'm joined on the line by Councillor Joe Cavanagh. Morning to you, Joe. Good morning, Gareth. How are you? Very well. I, I remember, actually, I, I was uh, paying a visit to Mayfield Garda Station and uh, just dropping in, and I noticed the sign, and it's something that I think you'd be more familiar with if you were actually going into, perhaps, an American graveyard. Am I right in thinking that? Yeah, yeah, very much so, Gareth. And look, this 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 sign has been there for a good number of years now at this stage. It's outworn its um, use at this stage. The the, the the actual writing on it, welcome to me, is actually worn away. You can hardly see it. Um, <clears throat> look, uh, it's more like a headstone, really, rather than a kind of a welcome to uh, an area sign. So, like, this is my second or third attempt to try and get this replaced by a more welcoming sign. I mean, uh, a welcome sign to an area, Garrett, should be a reflective of the warm welcome, which you would get um, from the Mayfield area. And uh, to be quite frank and honest with you, I mean, what's there at the moment? And there's two signs there, Garrett. There's one outside, as you correctly allude to, outside the Mayfield Garda station there at the junction of Cullumkill Avenue. And the other one then is over at Ballyvalan uh, at the beginning of the Northern Ring Road there. Um, at the junction so I'm just looking to get two of them replaced by a standard road sign and um, I went to I've been working with Cork City Council officials on this and also with uh, a number of local businesses and uh, we're just working on the design 
and the uh, we've got it approved, working on design and the funding of it. And hopefully we'll have a new sign in place there. And our local Tidy Towns group, the Mayfield St. Luke's Tidy Towns group, of which I'm a founder member and an, an active participant every week, will be out next Saturday with our Santi hats on, little picking in the area. And um, we're behind it as well. And we'll be planting flowers around this sign. And we look forward to being put in place um, very, very shortly. Yeah, it. I. You know what? I think I. I've no idea what the new sign will look like, but I think that whole tidy towns theme fits into yeah. a very welcoming sign. I. Rem- I know there's one just close to Westport, yeah. and I think there's one also. Oh yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of where it is now. Uh, it could be in Kilcullen, actually, in County Kildare. But well, the, the, they're all the, over the country, are, and you notice them, don't you, Joe? You do, you do, and and you know what? Uh, I mean, that's a main road, Garrett, and you're a hundred percent right. Noticing a sign uh, and leaving a kind of a top of mind, lasting impression of an area, even traffic that goes up the Northern Ring Road and goes off out the Limerick Road, will remember their brief visit to to the Mayfield area, which is a beautiful part uh, and historic part of our city, and we're very proud of it. And our Tidy Tones Group are very proud of our area, <clears throat> and we're very much behind this, and. Uh, as I say, um, you know, the sign, a welcome sign highlights the area. And this is a very active area, a very vibrant area, the city, the Mayfield area. And listen, um, we need a welcome to Mayfield sign uh, so that people remember their visit to our community. Mm-hmm. And what are there any more plan? Any other plans going on in the area coming up to Christmas? Well, I mean, you have your usual seasonal um, events uh, going on in the area. Uh, all the schools have events going on in the area uh, right throughout Christmas, various uh, Christmas events. Uh, our local church, Our Lady Crown Church, will have uh, uh, the usual events, etc. Down in St. Luke's Cross, the church in St. Luke's Cross across Mahenchies always has a Christmas night um, where there's carol singing, etc. So uh, I'm presume that's on again this year. I haven't seen it advertised, but look, it's it's a very active area of the city. Uh, our Tidy Towns group are out on Saturday litter picking. We always welcome new members, so if anybody's interested in joining us, please feel free to direct message me and I'll certainly uh, we'll welcome them with open arms. So there's plenty going on in every area right across the city and Cork is alive and we're looking forward to the, this beautiful time of the year, you know. Absolutely, Joe. Listen, happy Christmas to you, Joe, to you and yours and uh, we're looking forward to seeing that lovely new sign there uh, from Mayfield. Fantastic. Thanks, Gareth. Thanks very much. Thank you. Take care. Now, um, speaking of Christmas, uh, I was actually, I was delighted to be asked to uh, to emcee the switching on of the Christmas tree lights in Douglas uh, last night. It was a beautiful night, cold night, but thankfully dry and great, great crowd uh, who came out as well. And uh, thanks to everybody for coming out. And um, also, um, it was lovely to meet Kieran McCarthy. I, I've spoken about him a lot on the show when I'm here for PJ, but uh, the Lord Mayor was there with me last night, uh, as indeed were a number of other councillors from the area. But uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a very bad chest infection at the moment. So his singing voice, while he was fantastic on Saturday night in City Hall at the Christmas Carols concert, he was a little dried out last night, I felt. And uh, I wish him well, because I know he's got a lot of Christmas tree lights to switch on <laughs> over the next couple of days. So, Lord Mayor, if you're listening this morning, I hope they give you the morning off. Uh, and I hope you feel better soon as well. 
great night and uh, have a look at the uh, if you go into the park for a stroll if you can leave it to late into the afternoon as possible uh, because the lighting is just fantastic it really really is and the tree looks beautiful now all this week we've teamed up with Magical Blarney Cork's favourite Santa experience in Blarney Woolen Mills gorgeous location we're giving you a chance to win with Blarney Woolen Mills so you can experience their cosy Christmas cafe and shopping complex for yourself you could win a 250 euro voucher for Blarney Woolen Mills and all we're asking you to do is identify the following Christmas song Christmas movie and Christmas sound have a listen Merry Christmas you filthy animal Okay, so you identified the Christmas song, not very difficult, Christmas movie, pretty easy, and Christmas sound, okay? Text or WhatsApp your answer to 0833969696, 0833969696. It's a daily prize, which means we get to give away one every day this week, €250 Euro Blarney Woolen Mills voucher. Now, uh, the song in there, of course, uh, on, I suppose it's the water cooler conversation, and it has been now for the last few days and uh, we will be talking more about the great Shane McGowan between now and 12 today. Many Irish celebrity friends including Bono and Bob Geldof um, will be at Shane's funeral on Friday and also the possibility that Bruce Springsteen uh, Bob Dylan, Paul Simon, they're also rumoured to be flying in for the funeral. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. Well, PJ's taken a couple of days off. Uh, he's putting up the first of his 23 Christmas trees, I think, at some stage today. And uh, then if, you, if actually you're actually around the Douglas area and there's uh, road restrictions, it's because he's moving the big back garden one in, I think, later on tonight, once the traffic has slowed down. <laughs> you kill me for that. Anyway, he's, he's having a, a couple of days well well-deserved rest. Now, um, one thing I noticed, and I see it everywhere, particularly last night, we were switching on the Christmas tree lights in Douglas, and in the community park there, the number of beautiful, beautiful dogs. And uh, it's like they, they were they were just better prepared for Christmas than the people who, who were actually with them. Uh, beautiful, uh, beautiful jumpers, beautiful Christmas pullovers, even a couple of dog sockies and a little touch of the dog boots. People are pooch obsessed, especially at Christmas time. So what we'd like to know this morning is, do you buy your doggy clothes? Does he or she have a place at the Christmas table? Uh, do they sleep with you and particularly with this uh, cold weather that we've had now over the last couple of days do they tuck into the duvet in between the two of you or do they have their own special beds uh, I know that one particular person we know has a doggy electric blanket uh, yeah that's true so uh, we've got a couple of pooch lovers in studio with us this morning no strangers to those of you listening to us Shane Books our breakfast show producer and Katie O'Keefe from our 96FM newsroom is also joining us Shane um, your pooch is Dave yeah my pooch is Dave he's a small miniature dashhound just turned three since October and uh, very much part of the family like Child like part of the family. Yeah. How long has he lived with you now? Uh, so we got him. We uh, well, we actually had a note to go and get him because it was during COVID. So we got him three years ago on January first. 
So we watched the fireworks out of the back bedroom window where we used to live and then we went to bed and we got up at six in the morning, drove to Wexford, collected them and then brought them home. So yeah, he's been with us now just over three years. Yeah. The Dash Hunt is, is a, a genius dog. They've great thinking abilities. Like they, they say of all the dogs, they've probably got the biggest brain and they're great listeners and they're very intuitive. Yeah. He is extremely, I would say clever. Uh, he looks cute and small and has tiny little legs and everyone was yeah. saying, oh, sure, you won't have to walk him too much. <laughs> but he sits at the door. I'd say he could easily go for about 10 walks a day. But he, they are very clever. But there's a lot of stuff now online on TikTok and on Instagram and stuff. And it's photos of the dogs in their PJs tucked up in the big uh, human-sized bed. Yeah. And then the caption is, um, these dogs were bred for hunting and now look at them. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, they've got the, dig, the digger front claws, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, so I yeah. think Dash Hound is a German word that translates to badger dog. Yeah. So their 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 main kind of I suppose use in the world was for kind of hunting out badgers. So they have the long backs so they could kind of get down into the hole without fully getting into the hole, and then they could reverse themselves out. So that's what they were for. But we did take Dave for a walk before down in Killarney, and we did come across a, a dead badger. And I've never seen a dog run so fast. So clearly it hasn't. Uh, <laughs> they haven't kind of kept yeah, up with it. Clearly yeah. he hasn't copped onto what his ancestors <laughs> used to do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but we I, love him. We yeah, love him. absolutely. And uh, we've got a dash hunt as well, Gladys. And, oh, nice! Uh, yeah, and and a little terrier called Finn. So it was, it was, it's 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 kind of a busy run up to Christmas. Katie, uh, how is Rosie? Your pooch is Rosie. Rosie is a, a little Yorkshire terrier, and she is spoiled rotten. I'd say I have her about the same amount of time that uh, Shane has his Dave. Um, but yeah, they're they're like a little fluffy child. Yeah. And there was a time, really, when dogs wouldn't have names most associated with with humans. Isn't that like they'd be called, you know, Trigger and... and, uh, Rover. Yeah. Usual type names. Yeah. And where did Dave come from? So we got the idea of Dave from watching the UK version of Gogglebox. Oh, yeah. Um, Only in the last couple of weeks or months, uh, Dave was the name of the Malone family. Uh, They had a massive Rottweiler called Dave, who used to always be on screen with them and anytime they were watching some sort of a nature show Dave would be planked right in front of the TV which is where the camera is set up for Gogglebox <laughs> so he was sat there and you could see his eyes going left to right across the screen and we just thought it was a, a genius name um, I thought Dave was kind of one of the more standout ones but I did meet a lady a couple of weeks ago walking the dog and uh, her dog was called Dervla which I thought was a great name <laughs> yeah because <laughs> it's quite funny when, yeah. they, when they get stuck into a bush after smelling something out and then someone's walking by and they don't see the dog but yet you're there shouting, Dave, Dave, get out of the bush, Dave. And they're kind of looking around going, is your man's child in the bush? Yeah. Or who's he calling? Or even when we go to the vets, during COVID we had to stay in our cars and they would come out and call you, you'd go in one by one. So the vet had to come out into the car park full of people in, in their cars with their windows down waiting for their pet to get called. And uh, the vet would stand there going, Dave Buckley, Dave Buckley. <laughs> and everyone was looking around going, is your man going in? Has he gotten the South Dock mixed up here with something? So it is interesting, but it's great. I think the the, the human names are always good. Yeah. They're interesting. A friend of mine actually has a dog called uh, Churchill. Which <laughs> is, and I said, is is it after the, the, the commercial on the, you know, the oh, satellite yes. channels, yeah, the, yeah. the insurance company? And he said, no, it's not. He said, my wife wanted to call him Winston, but I just felt it wasn't a dog's <laughs> name. <laughs> so he says, we settled on Churchill. Where did Rosie come from, Katie? So Rosie actually came from... I'd say Rosie had about six names before we landed on Rosie. 
Uh, I did Rosie, Josie, Rue, Boo, <laughs> everything. And then it just kind of got to the stage where I was like, right, your name is now Rosie and we've stuck with it. <laughs> and how do you carry around? You've got a little carry bag for her, don't you? I do. So Rosie is literally, she is about the size of a standard water bottle. <laughs> so she's not, she's not big. Um, so she can get, she's quite aware of her size and so she can get a little bit nervous. So I have a little handbag, I suppose, for, oh. for her <laughs> and we carry her around. So cute. And what colour is the handbag? It, it's grey. It's it's nothing, oh. nothing major. <laughs> and you have a car seat for Rosie as well, do you? I do. I have a little booster seat for Rosie. So like you have a typical dog car seat now with regulations and stuff. But I feel like Rosie should see out the window with the rest of the world. So she has a little booster seat. <laughs> yeah. Dave, like any any special trappings around the house? Um, no. So we are going to invest in some stairs for Dave to get up and off the couch. Sorry, Shane. I called you Dave there for a minute. But yeah, that's sorry. It's a bonding <laughs> thing. It happens. It? Yeah, My yeah. mother says the same thing. If I'm not one of the niece or nephews, I'm the dog's name. Uh, so Shane, Shane has been moved on the, the list of priorities big time now. Um, but yeah, we're going to invest in some stairs because uh, dash hounds are prone to back yeah. issues with IVDD and stuff and it's quite expensive to get the surgery and everything. So him jumping up and down off the couch uh, is not good for the back. So you can get these little stairs or ramps and stuff like that. I have them. So, oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. so we're going to, you'll have to let me know where you got yours and I'll Th- get mine. The thing about the dash hound is that they don't take too kindly to stairs because particularly if the stairs are steep, we've, yeah. we've stairs at the side of the bed. Uh, seriously, uh, we're sharing a lot of information here this morning, aren't we? Yeah, I, f- I find maybe in 15 years' time I'll be able to use the stairs as well. <laughs> but uh, the thing is, she won't use the stairs because it's it's very steep, particularly coming down. Yeah, and if you uh, like, as you know, picking up a dashund, uh, I always think when when I pick Gladys up, it's almost like you feel it like as if her shanks are going to fall off. She's so heavy, you know, yeah. and she's going to break in two. But they they love that stretch. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, literally like a slinky dog. Yeah. Because when you pick them up, their legs, they're up halfway up in the air and their legs are, their back legs are still on the ground yeah waiting to come with you great exercise for them as well yeah, yeah. yeah. let's talk about Christmas um, Katie anything special for Rosie is is there a place for her at the Christmas table oh absolutely like Santa Paws is coming um, <laughs> we've, we've the letter sent right and we hope now she's been a good girl this year so we'll see what happens mm-hmm and but yeah she'll be part of um, the family dinner and then my brother's dog Layla she'll be part of the family dinner and then we have Perry and Fred the family dogs wow Layla I lo- what a cool name Layla great That's name great name yeah and uh, what what breed of dogs are they so Layla is a schnauzer and then Perry is a poodle and Fred is a Bichon Frise right what's a schnauzer a schnauzer oh, so uh, sorry. A German dog. Yeah, they look like they have beards. Ah, yeah. Square looking heads on them. Right, okay. Lovely dog. Very popular as well. There's a lot of them around recently. Yeah, they're they're very popular. Yeah. And will you have a special uh, doggy diet? Like, will there be uh, turkey bones and things like that? The the little turkey chews and... Oh, there, there'll be special treats and they, they'll get their full doggy-friendly roast. Right. Wow. Okay. And Shane? Yeah, Dave's the same. So Dave will get uh, a Christmas dinner. Um, I should say, I should name and shame, but my soon-to-be mother-in-law uh, is a massive fan of Dave. More so that she doesn't really say hi to me and my partner Sarah anymore. She'll just go, ah, Dave is <laughs> 
<laughs> so she'll have a Christmas present for him. Uh, he'll get a little uh, doggy stocking with all some good, loads of goodies in it. And then we get his food off of a company called Butternut Box. I'm sure loads of people yeah. do it, but it's kind of natural food. It's not kind of the, the usual kibble stuff. And they have sent us a Christmas present for him, which is a, a turkey dinner, which includes like cranberries and all of that stuff Beautiful. in it as well. Yeah, so he's uh, well looked after. Probably more looked after, probably better looked after than I am, mm. to be fair. But uh, do, do your do your pooches sleep in PJs and and that uh, Shane? Mine definitely Katie. does. Anyway, yeah. What, oh, yeah is so it mine... PJs or is it is it a kind of a jacket? Um. So it depends on the weather. Like I will literally just depend on if it's a cold night or night not she has a wardrobe so we have a t-shirt we have like full blown pajamas we have fluffy jumpers it, it depends <laughs> a wardrobe of course <laughs> a walk in yeah. wardrobe people I are probably listening in now going are these people alright yeah, should right. we check up yeah. on them or <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dave is probably the same he does have a coat because uh, he is not a fan of the rain an absolute diva even when I know he needs to go to the bathroom and I go to bring him out and he knows it's raining he'll sit at the door looking back over his shoulder at me so we do have a little raincoat for him uh, it's like the doggy version of um, what's that What's that brand Bar- Barber or something or some uh, fancy Burberry? Yeah, Burberry, is it? Or one of those, yeah. I know. It's one yeah. of those dog ones. Anyways, it's over the top, I think, with the jacket. But, uh, and then he has a, a coat as well. It's a dog face one as opposed to a north face one. So that's a little bomber jacket for him, just so he's like cool and down with the kids, you know what I mean? Down with the other dogs. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I, it, like, um, are we revealing too much? Yeah, well, no, I, I don't think. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there, dog lovers, like pooch lovers, who will say, oh, that's so sweet. And oh, we must get that name that Shane mentioned there and see if we can get that brand of food. And then there are other people who are thinking, I don't know what I'm listening to here this morning. I'm deeply worried about this now. <laughs> so, um, anything special? You know, obviously, um, do, do you think that uh, a dog should have another dog, a companion in the house? Is it good to have two dogs rather yeah. than just one? Um, well, this is the debate uh, myself and my partner oh, are having yeah. at the moment because uh, we would love a second dog and I think two then would be the, the limit. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, we are thinking of maybe waiting maybe another year and then and then getting one. But we were thinking, like, we would love to have another dog when Dave does, you know, pass away. But we were thinking if you get the second dog in now, they just learn all the tricks of the trade from Dave so then you don't have to put all that work back in again you right, know training yeah. to go to the bathroom and everything because dachshunds can be quite stubborn yes, so the can. training yeah, is a bit uh, yeah it can be a bit tough but yeah we'd love to get a second one but I do think it's great for them just to have uh, I suppose a buddy because they're kind of pack animals and when yeah. there's no other dog around you become the pack and then they're glued to you they have to be the boss though that's something yeah we, that's we it well I know a guy who had a dachshund uh, who was a male and then he got a bitch and then the bitch was like two years younger than the male and she became the boss <laughs> yeah so we're used to that though that's a completely different conversation really isn't it <laughs> and Rosie what do you think is it will uh, sorry Kate it's difficult to see you and Abe this is the thing I think this is probably the reason why you know the older generations used to say you know hate trigger or whatever you know but I think we're, we're relating to them now in human terms aren't we will, will Rosie have a, a companion at some stage so Rosie is part of a pack. <laughs> um, right. uh, so she has Perry and Fred that oh, she, she sees has, all the time. Right, yeah. And then 
Layla then, um, my brother's dog, she was like a, an only dog for a while, but they've since moved back to Cork. And now Layla is part of the pack, but the little one is the boss <laughs> in the front. So that's kind of always the way it works, I think. But I think definitely there's benefits to both. Mm. I should like I should just say as well there are limits that I, I'm kind of willing to go as far I, like I want to give him a great life and make sure he has the best of whatever but then I was out walking him the last day and I did see a dog in a buggy and I just thought that might be a bit too far because uh, you can now buy buggies for dogs in the pet shops there's Joking a whole section really? of them yeah they're like I don't know 80 euro as well so I was like I think that might be a bit too far like babies prams and uh, like yeah kitted out yeah. for dogs though so enough space wow. for them to kind of lie out or sit up or okay yeah yeah. Uh, Anne is is uh, joining us. Welcome to the canine crew, Anne. <laughs> no problem at all. I'm delighted. Oh, it's nice, um, isn't it? It makes such a pleasant change, doesn't it? It does indeed. Now, I'm going back over maybe 30 years. Yeah. And my dog, Lady. So, I had a red pole and a jumper for her. But if I had a brain then... I'd be worth a fortune today, wouldn't I? Yeah, you would. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. But anyway, going back, she wouldn't go to the toilet and it was raining, but I'd have to hold an umbrella over her. (laughs) Right, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. As God is my judge, if it was raining, I had to put up the umbrella. I get wet. Yeah, (laughs) I was just going to say that. There's no way that she would. Wow, and you'd actually just stand... Well, you'd probably have to squat down and hold the umbrella, would you? Well, I had it down a bit, yeah, I'd have bend over. Right, that's amazing. And no way, go hell or high water, would she go out without yeah. that umbrella over her. Uh, so, it's not only now, it's gone back 30 years ago, mm. that, that dogs were pampered. I didn't know that, actually, 30 years ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, yeah. So, you have a dog now, have you? I don't have one now. I changed my dog to cats then. I had kind of feral cats for over nearly 19 years. Right, yeah. And the last one only passed away there a couple of months ago. Okay. So So I'm just waiting now for them to come and find me again because that's what a cat does. Yeah, thank you. It finds its owner. Yeah. And have a, so, lovely, have a lovely Christmas. Nice to chat to you. Thanks a lot. Um, no problem at all. Take care. Take care. Bye Thank me. you. Thanks Bye a lot. Uh, I think dog lovers, it's interesting. You can't kind of cross over, can you, with the, the whole cat thing? They t- Dog lovers tend to be... Yeah, no, I know a few people who do have both, but I would be very much a, a dog person. Cats, I'm just kind of like... I don't know, I think in a dog's eyes, you're the god and they love you. Yes, but they're in a cat's right, yeah. eyes, they're very much the god and you're only there to feed them. Yeah, you There's are. not much give back from a cat, really, is there? And plus, they always look suspicious. I'm always worried they're just out to get me, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime I see a cat, I'm like, what's he planning? Like, is he going to get me in the yeah. darkness at night? What's happening? Yeah. Or I remember years ago, uh, many, many years ago, and I used to think she did it purely just like to really annoy me like she'd get up into a tree and no one could reach her but we knew that she could come down but she wouldn't she'd just sit there looking at you as if to sort of say yeah (laughs) tough on you now now you've to climb the tree yeah exactly anyway um have a lovely christmas the two of you and indeed to your pooches katie um give our love to rosie I will, of course. And Shane, uh, give our very best wishes to Dave. Will do. Maybe someday we'll just bring them all in. 
do. Bring yeah. them all into I 96 so, yeah. and run right. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's... <laughs> the bosses are downstairs sweating. <laughs> Although I would imagine that they'd probably be far more sensible than we would be probably, in yeah, many respects. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah. But the, anyway, they learn their trades from us. 83 96, 96, 96. If uh, you've a beautiful pooch at home and you'd like to tell us uh, how you're going to spoil him or her rotten coming up to Christmas, we'd love to chat to you. Now, we've lovely prizes to give away as well this week, as I say, and we'll tell you more about that very, very shortly. Now, we're going to continue the whole pooch uh, piece because uh, so many of you enjoyed that little conversation there earlier with Shane and Katie, and uh, they're talking about their pooches. So many of you commenting about what you're planning for your little pooch coming up to Christmas and the New Year. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here. But also, um, Santa Paws will be at the Cork Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals CSPCA facility in Mahon next month. Uh, in fact, this month, what am I saying? For a weekend of great fun for all of the family. And Vincent Cashman from the CSPCA joins me now. Hi there, Vincent. Good morning. Uh, tell me about this. This is a wonderful occasion because I know with all of the hard work you're doing, and it's very stressful during the day, taking in animals who've been injured and abandoned and then trying to find homes for them. This is, I suppose, a celebratory week, isn't it? A celebratory few days. It is. Is I suppose it's the, the, the lighter side of the job. Yeah. Um, where people can come along between 12 and 5 um, this coming weekend 
and they can get their photograph taken with Santa. They can get a cup of coffee, a cup of tea, something to eat. And um, the facility is open to the public as well. So if they want to come down and uh, they can see our ponies, our owls, our bits and pieces, and um, they can see what we're actually about. It's an opportunity to see the work you do because I know you're so you've been so busy, particularly since COVID, uh, that the 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 facility is off bounds. Really, isn't it a lot of time? It is. It's it, there's certain areas that are open to the public, and there there are other areas that are that are off show. We'll say, mm-hmm. but on occasions like this, we we open it up so the public can actually see what what it's all about. So, what happens to the little pooches then? Um, do the dogs the dogs get to visit Santa? Do they? They get to visit Santa. They get a little goodie bag going away. They get their photograph taken. And uh, last year was the first year we, we we ran it, and it was it was very very successful. So we have um, developed our Santa's Grotto a little bit more. Uh, Greenveld came on again this year and sponsored all our lights, so the whole building is lit up. Our yard is lit up. Um, We'll see our little wood area in front of the wildlife unit. Um, they went above and beyond and, and, and lit the whole place up for us. And um, they'll get the photograph and then they can, there's seating areas outside where people can sit down and just relax. And you, That's what it's uh, all about. There's a few, to, to few, little, a few little Christmas market stalls there as well, are there? There is. There's a few um, stall holders will be there for the weekend selling arts and crafts, um, both for animals and humans. And um, it's just it's just a fun it's just a fun event. We were talking about about the whole uh, pooch spoiling era that we're, we're, we're we've become. Like I mean, our, our dogs are the loves of our lives in many respects now. At, at this stage, have you seen anything unusual? Have you seen anything funny down down through the last couple of years? <laughs> um, we, we'll say we we yes we have people there who have different outfits for their dogs depending on the day and depending on the weather um they would have different pajamas as well each day um the buggy thing is um it's it's something that i've seen over the last couple of years um where they're pushing their pooch around inside the, inside <laughs> the buggy um i yeah, um, <laughs> the jury is the jury. The jury is yeah. out on that one. Um, yeah. Sometimes it's because of medical grounds that yeah. the dog may have um, a disability or infirmity. That that's it's still the dog is getting out. He's still getting socialised, but some of these dogs have all of their faculties and yeah. they're still being pushed around. Now it maybe gets the case too where where a dog knows that if I don't walk, I get pushed around inside in the buggy. So then the dog decides, well, I'm not walking. Yeah, and that's the danger, so, isn't it? Yeah. Well, there is a little bit of that, yeah, yeah. So the vast majority of it really is is, is harmless. As, as one of your, your previous speakers said, um, Dachshunds were a hunting breed. Mm-hmm. And and we've all seen the, the, the clips where they've developed from a hunting breed <laughs> to this dog that's wearing pyjamas. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's been a a, a, a complete changeover, but a lot of it is 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 relatively harmless. Yeah, for like from a hunting breed to a, a couch cushion almost. Uh, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and it's I mean it's worth emphasising here that dogs do need a lot of exercise. That wheeling them around if they have all of their faculties is not a good idea. No. Yeah. You're you're getting more people now. Diets for dogs have have improved. Um, 
where you can see, you know, that the, the list of ingredients has improved, but you're still seeing an awful lot of dogs that are obese, mm. particularly dogs that, that, that have been neutered and stuff like that, where they, they all need their exercise. They're the same as ourselves. So, um, even even a dog, we'd say, look, oh, we've I've plenty of room at home. The dog will walk when you're walking them. They're not going to walk. They'll they'll do their round of the of the of the garden, um, even if it's an acre in size, they'll do their own. But they're slowly doing their rounds. Will get less and less because yeah. they don't have to. Whereas if they if they're seedily, they have to go for a walk. Can I just bring you back to the age old advice about giving a dog as a gift for Christmas? It's it's not wise, is it? It's not. One of the biggest problems that we have seen over the years is somebody coming along and they would say, every time you put up a post, you can check every Facebook page of every animal charity in the country. And you could put up a post of puppies or another dog and and somebody would say, I'd love that. Mm. That doesn't actually mean they would love it. And sometimes they're given as presents. And the person who's receiving the present has no idea whatsoever that they were getting it. And then that dog, sometimes it works out. A lot of the time they're put up for adoption. They're sent back. They're either uh, given into shelters or they're rehomed because they actually didn't necessarily want it. Yeah. It has to be It has to be something that's discussed. It's not a pair of shoes that can you can throw them in the bottom of the wardrobe and just leave them there. Um, this is something that's going to be with you for the next 12, maybe 14, longer, maybe years. Um, there is a serious amount of time. It can't be bought as on a whim. It can't be bought. Um, we wouldn't advise them as, as definitely as unplanned or unknown presence whatsoever. It, it can end in, in failure, and particularly for the animal, not for the people who are getting the dog. And just um, on, it on has a, to be seriously considered. Yeah. On, on another point, Vincent, what, what are the consequences of leaving a dog on its own for hours and hours and hours? Uh, I, I've noticed that has st- I think since people have gone back to work since COVID, you mm-hmm. hear dogs barking in back gardens for hours and hours and hours. That can't be good for the dog, can it? No. You basically with with a dog, you have um, you have a three or four hour window. Okay, mm-hmm. where a dog can be left on its own for three hours. Um, four hours maybe and if it's on its own if it's inside in the house um it starts to get very bored okay and then it'll start destroying the house or it'll just start chewing in the furniture or shoes or whatever it can get because it's it's trying to entertain itself Mm. now some people have to have the luxury that they can bring the dog to doggy daycare where the dog is kept there during the day um but some people can't they don't have that luxury then they put the dog instead of it destroying the house they put a moat into the garden where it torments the neighbors so it's barking all the time, and the dog is barking because it's looking for attention. It's not. It's not even on a on a technicality severe neglect. It's just neglect of attention that the dog is looking for. So it's barking because that's all it can do to get that attention. Right, and it it, it is unfair. I mean, if you you you, ha- you have to work out selfishly, you have to work out that if this if it's not possible for you to be at home with your dog after a three hour or four hour uh, break then should you really have a dog? Have you got the time to put into the dog? Because if the dog is left for eight or nine hours on its own, five days a week, you could end up with problems going forward with the dog. Mm. Uh, social issues, then when it goes out, it goes out into a park, and all dogs in the parks in the city should be on need anyway, but um, where it become 
agitated or annoyed or overexcited that it sees another dog or, or it's with humans. Worse again, somebody comes along and says, I'll get a second dog to keep the first dog company. So now, instead of one dog bored inside the house or destructive inside the house, you have two of them doing it. Yeah. Because one will learn from the other. So if one is barking or one is howling, the other one will say, well, if, if they're barking or howling, there must be something very important going on. I'll join in as well. So instead of one dog as a problem, you know of two. Mm-hmm. So it's it's something, the vast majority of people, thankfully, do a bit of research on it, right? Yeah. And it, it is slowly, too slowly, but it is it is slowly changing. But you still have an awful lot of people who would get a dog on a whim. Um, it's a knee-jerk reaction, oh, I want the dog. And then they'll get a dog and then they'll say, well, what am I going to do with it now? Mm. That should have all been taught out. Um, long before because it is a very very serious commitment you'll have a dog a lot longer than you'll have a car in most instances and people do a, fi- a pile of research on, on what type of a car they're going to get whereas this dog would be with them for 14 years potentially even longer Yeah. so that needs to be serious consideration into taking on any pet but particularly any of the longer lived ones like a, like a dog or a cat or anything like that there has to be serious consideration it's unfair then to come along and, and expect um the charities to fill in to fill in the the void when it doesn't work out. Every charity out there is at their <clears throat> their maximum when it comes to space. Every one of them is full, and it's it's getting to the stage where you where you just simply can't help every animal out there. And you get people. We we had one instance where um a, um, a document was for surrender. And um, as it turns out, the the dog was bought as a a birthday present. This guy bought it for his girlfriend. Anyway, they parted ways. A new boyfriend came on the scene. Mm -hmm. But the first dog, first dog was sent away, but because there was a new dog bought. Mm. It's it's not uh, it's not a throwaway item. This is a living, breathing animal. So, I mean, if if you're going to do it, do it properly. It's 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 actually not that hard to look after a dog properly. If you if you have the time to do it, it's not that difficult to task. Right. Uh, on that note, Vincent, uh, I, I hope it's a, a quieter Christmas than the last couple of Christmases, or, or should I say, New Years have been for for you all, there, <laughs> man. Yeah. Yeah. And and is it becoming easier finally to to rehome the dogs that are given into you? The problem with rehoming at the moment is dogs are with us for a lot longer. Yeah. Um, everyone, again, that got a dog during COVID, again, there was this thing that um, after COVID, everybody got rid of the dog. That's not the case. The vast majority of people still have their dog. But the problem is they still have their dog, but they're not looking for a second one. So any of the potential adoptees that you would have had going forward, all kind of, they, they all got their dog during the, the time of COVID and the vast majority of them still have them. Yeah. So these people won't be coming back on the scene for, for, for adoptions again for another six to eight years. So then and you, you have dogs in that are coming in here and you're getting much dogs that are coming in. They could be with us 200 days, 250 days, 300 days, if even longer. Um, and particularly the likes of sighthounds, we're seeing an awful lot of sighthounds being dumped, um, like the likes of lurchers now. Not so much greyhounds, but lurchers, mm. and um, they're being dumped in it, all over the country. And 
they're not for everybody as in dog breeds they're not for everybody but um it's it's getting much more popular to see people out on the street walking a lurcher as a pet because the shelters are heaving with them they're full right well, next weekend uh, is the weekend, uh, Santa Paul's weekend at the Matin facility there. And I wish you well for a great weekend. And, and to all of you, Vincent, keep up the great work and happy Christmas. You too, and all, and all the crew there at 96. Thank you, Vincent. That's Vincent Cashman there from CSPCA. Uh, the Lord Mayor, uh, Kieran McCarthy, launched Santa Paul's and it's going to run next weekend, December 9th and, 9th and 10th. Families can tour the facility. It's a great opportunity, a rare one, to see what goes on behind the big red brick walls there at the facility in Mahan. And uh, you can come and visit Santa and bring your pooch, which the dog will get a little present. Uh, dress up the dog, dress up your yourselves with Christmas jumpers and stuff and obviously they'll be um, they'll, they'll be hopeful that you might just make a donation to their ongoing work there. 083 396 96 96. Pat, good morning to you. Hi guys, how are you? And it's nice to hear you back and fully recovered. Uh, thank you so much. Nice it's to great, hear you. It's great to be back. Um, my wife just wants to try and keep me out of hospital for <laughs> Christmas. I was, yeah, I, was yeah. a, I was a resident in CUH uh, there yeah. for the last two yeah. Christmases. Well, you're, sound, you're sounding well. So oh, thanks, thanks, Pat. Nice to hear that. Thank, great, great to hear to you, you too. Now you have yeah. a beautiful Bichon, haven't you? Oh, Gareth. He's, he's like a baby. Yeah. We got him when he was five weeks old. And I always remember he was only five or six weeks. I came home from work, and I was saying to my wife, "Where was the dog?" And the, she was doing the housework, and the dog was asleep in her lap, dressing going pocket. <laughs> he's that small, guy, He's tiny, like. And every night then, because we gave him the hydrocost, bring him into bed, and every night since he gets to run around half nine, ten o'clock, but maybe half ten, we put on his coat, tie him up. And he runs into the bed and he sits between the two of us. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. I always said, I got thank God my children were born before he was born anyway, because I had that none. <laughs> and he'd, he'd go in, he'd put his head on the pillow, we'd tuck him in, and he's still the same position every morning when we wake up. Yeah. He'll get up, have his breakfast, and if it's at the weekend, he'll come back into the bed. Yeah. And he sleeps between you and the wife, yeah? Oh, and Gareth. On his back, his head on the pillow, <laughs> and he's snoring like an old man. Oh. We actually brought him for a walk there last week, and people thought he was a puppy. He's going on 15. Wow. Oh, guys, he's still stone. Yeah. But <laughs> it's, stone. I suppose it's, it's kind of a, a testament to the to the love and the care that you've shown oh, him. Oh, yeah. do you know what? My mother was done with the snow yesterday, like, and he'd just go up in her lap, like, and he'd, he'd fall asleep. Like, he loves the heat. And he'll go to anyone. He like he's so so good. Like he'd never no. He'd back when he's out, but he'll never back or growl at anybody, a stranger. And he just loves the attention. Like yeah. And you know what? We're mad about him. Like I, I can understand why. How how big does a Bichon grow to in 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 adulthood? Uh, he's uh, he, do you know what? No, Gareth. He'd be even smaller than kind of the ox terrier. Right. And he doesn't shed, which is the good thing. But like he's he's expensive. They're expensive enough. Like yeah. every six weeks we get him groomed, and it's forty, fifty euros. Like yeah, they're they're expensive enough. But you know what? Well, water. He gives he gives us back everything that that we we give him. Like he's a very loyal dog. Like you could have the worst day 
ever and walked and you come in and he'd bound down the hall to you and he'd jump into your arms. Yeah. And do you know what, Gaff? That's what it's all about. That's what life is about. Yeah, yeah you it, could it, have the worst day. You could yeah. say, you could be playing golf there or a picture put anything. And I come home and I say, geez, what, what's after happening? And he'd bound down the hall to me every day and he'd jump into my arms. And do you know, Gaff? That's what it's all about. Yeah, I think that that's one of the many beauties that they have of bringing you right back to the present yeah. moment because they, and, they and don't you know, live in anything the, else. No, and they're so, so loyal. Yeah. So, like, we've kind of a big corner piece sofa now, like, and he'd be saying, so, like, something would say, look, go on away, leave me alone. Like, he's the whole sofa himself. If you sit down, he'll come in next to you for the heat. Yeah. What's his name? Those, What's his name, Pat? Oh, Gizmo. Gizmo. Yeah, the whole estate gnome. <laughs> the whole estate gnome, like, but uh, uh, he's so loyal. Like, and you know what? God forbid, Gareth, when the time comes, oh. we'll be devastated. Like. Oh, God. Well, we don't want to think you know, about that, do no, we? No, no. But you know what? Yeah. The years are there, he's nearly 15. Mm. And like you'd be kind of saying, what's the kind of lifespan? Like it's kind of 16 or 17 max. Mm. So, do you know what? But hopefully that won't. Like, I would prefer no guys if he wasn't to pass. Just to get up in the morning and he'd be gone. Mm. You don't want to see any kind of dog suffering, but he's weight like he was only at this a couple of weeks ago. And they said he's, he's like a dog of about two or three years of age. He's so wet. Wow. And so he's he's, he's no never been ill. He's never been ill, Pat. He's never had an accident. Never sick. And Gareth, never sick. And Gareth, would you believe or believe it not? If I got into my car in the morning and drove to Belfast and back down, he'd never get sick. Yeah. He's a fantastic doctor. You only have to shake the keys and he's out to the car, say not. Mm. But he won't, he won't rest in the back. He'd have to be in the, in the passenger seat. So if there's anybody in the car, they'd have to go into the back and he's out the front. <laughs> <laughs> he won't go into the back seat, but yeah. out the front seat and he'll, he'll look out, out the window from here to Margaret Felt. Yeah. Dog. I was dog. reading years ago that a dog can hear your car, your car, uh, before a human can hear it. So if he's oh, yeah. sitting in the sitting room waiting for you, he'll yeah. he'll go for the window and you're wondering what, what's... Oh, yeah. He, yeah, he'll go for the window and when he sees me then, he'll come down the hall and he'll jump into my hands and I say, you know what, life is, life is brilliant when I see him. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. And, I would, and you know what, Kat? No, I wouldn't replace him. No. God forbid the same comes, I wouldn't replace him. As I always said to my wife, I said, how can you replace your replacement? Yeah, that's a beautiful that's way to put it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? We absolutely adore that dog. Pat, that, that's a beautiful story. Thanks for sharing it with us. And listen, yes, have, have, have a lovely Christmas, you and Gizmo. Uh, and what's your uh, wife's name? Uh, Linda. Linda. Great. Yeah. And the same to you, guys, and the same to you in all, bye. Thanks. God bless, Pat. Thanks, Thanks a lot. God Take bless care. you. Know. Thank, bye you. Bye Thank you very much. Bye now, Tony, uh, we, we won't get a chance, but we'll try and come back to Tony after the news. So uh, it's lovely, actually, is that, is that a lot of the callers are, are men talking about their beautiful dogs this morning. So it sort of brings out the kind of the, 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 the sort of the feminine, emotional kind of touch in all of us, I think. All this week, we've teamed up with Magical Blarney, Cork's favourite Santa experience in Blarney Woollen Mills. Beautiful location. We're giving you a chance to win with Blarney Woollen Mills so you can experience their cosy Christmas cafe and shopping complex for yourself. You could win a 250 euro voucher each day for Blarney Woollen Mills and all you've got to do is have a listen to this. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. So just identify the Christmas song 
the Christmas movie and the Christmas sound effect, okay? You can text or WhatsApp, please, your answer to 083 396 96 96 and we have got a daily prize of a Blarney Woolen Mills voucher worth €250. Euro. This is Gareth here for PJ, who's back with you on Wednesday, and that number again, 083 396 96 96. What a beautiful, beautiful morning it is out there this morning. Sunshine like I haven't seen in quite a while. Uh, it's just splendid. Very little wind, very, very cold, but blue skies and um, that beautiful, brilliant whiteness that you get at winter when the skies are clear. Lots of interesting comments in relation to um, our pooches and our pets and Christmas presents, uh, where I, uh, somebody's just saying here that they're spending more on their pooch this Christmas than they are on their partner. <laughs> uh, we'll come back to that anyway shortly. Now, keeping with Christmas, the elf on the shelf phenomenon has taken the world by storm every Christmas for quite a number of years now. Santa's little helper has been driving parents mad in the run-up to Christmas and Shonda Bell and Krista Pitts developed the whole concept and join us now on the line. Good morning, Shonda. Good morning, Krista. Good morning, Gary. Lovely to chat to the two of you. Now, there'll be a little delay, obviously, on the line. So what I'll do is I'll ask a question and then if we just sort of let a a second elapse because I I don't want to miss anything you've got to say because it is coming up to Christmas and uh, the two of you are the people in the know. (laughs) (laughs) Where did it all begin? Well, the Elf on the Shelf began um, as a family tradition for us. Krista and I are twin sisters. We have a younger brother. And so when we were growing up, Santa used to send an elf to our home. And the elf used to watch during the day and report to Santa at night. And in the morning before we woke up, we would race each other out of bed to be the first ones to spot the elf. And so when I became a mom myself, I uh, was sitting with my mom one day and we were having tea and I looked up and I said, Mom, we should write a book. We should write a story about um, our elf. And of course, it was there sitting on the shelf. And so we took that opportunity. Of course, we had to get permission from Santa Claus to work for him and tell his stories. And, you know, it was one of those just amazing moments where the right time, the right place, uh, the right tradition all came together. And so we wrote this story. We couldn't get anyone to publish it. And so we ended up having to publish it ourselves. And that was like the greatest happy accident accident that's ever happened to us. <laughs> it often is, isn't it? I mean, an, an idea that you really believe in, that's something that's a tradition for oh, thousands of years. Sometimes mm-hmm. you, you have to share that yourselves. Am I right in thinking that the elf is Santa's closest advisor? Yes. You are right in thinking that. So the elf works directly for Santa Claus himself. Mm-hmm. And as Shanda mentioned, since we grew up with that magic in our home, we knew what it was like to see it and experience it from the eyes of a child, right? The magic, the wonder, it's everything the season is supposed to be about, believing in something magical, goodness and generosity, and also that spirit of fun and whimsy. And so that's really one of the things we've come to appreciate about what people now will talk to us about. They'll show us their pictures. They'll talk about where they found their elf. They've adopted, you know, elf pets as well, or they tell us their stories. And it's a really heartwarming thing to hear from families who've adopted this tradition. Absolutely. 
It, it, now, uh, I'm, I'm sure the two of you, Shanda and Krista, remember, I remember reading as a very young child about the elf and the shoemaker. Like, that's as far back as I can actually remember, where the little elf comes along and helps the shoemaker coming up to Christmas and that. It's really, like, it's such a beautiful tradition because the elf has become so associated with children who are hoping that Santa might bring them what they're looking for at Christmas. Yes, I agree with you. You know, I remember growing up listening to those stories about the cobblers, right? A- assisting um, all of the of these fairy tales, right, of the elves. And so getting to see families adopt elves through the Elf on the Shelf box set. We also have um, elves that are indeed cobblers, um, toy makers and chefs. They're known as elf mates. Mm-hmm. And those elves in specific really harken back to that tradition of, you know, of, of uh, kindness and generosity and giving back. And so all of our elves at the North Pole that work for, for Santa Claus and work for Father Christmas are about that. So we have the elf on the shelf where the elf watches during the day and reports to Santa every night. And before the kids wake up, that elf flies back from the North Pole and lands in a different spot. That set comes with the box and has been around a very long time. And then we have the elf mates who are, you know, these ones, they come with a little poem. And so it reminds children, you know, if you need new clothes or new shoes, you should give something away before you get something new. Mm-hmm. Same with toys. Give something away before you get something new. Um, so really in- introducing through our brand um, the entire enchanted world of Santa Claus is really what what we do in creating joyful family moments um, at Christmas time. Now I'm 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 looking from the two of you for the, the the best elf on the shelf ideas for Christmas because obviously um mammies and daddies all over the country are trying to figure out you know what's the best elf idea that you know I I can have this Christmas yeah, there are a lot. Uh, fortunately, we do have some aids for parents. So we have a me couple- for elves. You got to inspire the elves. Of course. Yes. Good point, actually. Yeah, yes. you got to inspire the elves to do some fun things. Please continue. Yeah. <laughs> so polar props, polar props are a great way to do that. They're teeny tiny little pieces where the elf can be inspired to do scenes. Some of them are baking and being in kitchens. And definitely that's going to be a nice way to go. And then we also have have our scout elves at play kit um the elves love looking at those pictures and being inspired about all the fun things they can do and the ways they have been trained to bring a little fun and magic into the home mm. yeah you know i think you know <laughs> see you're mentioning it we have an uh, we have an app you know it's like we have an app for that what people right? say yeah so the elf on the shelf elf ideas app um, inspires elves. And so for me, I was walking in the room one day and I literally see my daughter and she has her iPad and I see her like scrolling through, but she's talking to the elf. And I was like, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm showing all the elf, all the things it could be doing. <laughs> our, elf, our elf was not being creative enough. So yeah. You know, uh, parents aren't alone, of course, in that. But we say all the time, elves match the personality of their family. So some are quite cheeky and silly and funny and others really just do their job for Santa. Really watch during the day, report to Santa at night and before the kids wake up in the morning. They have landed coming back from the North Pole in a new spot. And so it's really a, a, a very simple hide and seek game.
Well, it's been a pleasure to talk to the two of you and have a lovely Christmas. And I hope you had a lovely Thanksgiving day as well last week. So great to talk to oh, the two of you. Oh, I did. Thank Happy you. Christmas. Thank you so much for having us. It's an Thank absolute you. honor. Thank Thanks you. so much. Thank you. Bye now. That's Shanda Bell. Bye. Bye. Shanda Bell there and Krista Pitts. So if you have any little suggestions in relation to the elf and your experience of elves over Christmas down through the years, let us know. 0833 96 96 96. We've got about another half an hour, which is wonderful. Looking out of the, the sun here, it's it's very, very bright, but I'm not complaining at all. It's beautiful. 0833 96 96 96. Now, it's um, your final week of Cork's 96FM's 10k toy giveaway. We've still got loads of 500 euro toy shopping sprees to give away for free. What you do is you listen every day after 8, 11, 2 and 5. Text or WhatsApp, the daily password. And if we call you back, you're in the draw to win after 6pm with Izzy, okay? We've got two uh, toy shopping sprees to give away each day. Cork's 96FM's 10k toy giveaway with your local credit union. Helping you have a wonderful Christmas only on Cork's 96FM. Today's password is ELF. In keeping with the theme, we will uh, talk to a qualifier before we finish at 12 o'clock today, okay? So ELF is the password. Keep it in mind and you could be our winner today or you certainly could qualify for a little later this afternoon. Now, we're talking about pets and we've been concentrating a lot on pooches, but cats obviously are so, so close to so many people's hearts. Miriam, how are you? A bit nervous, but I'm okay. Don't be nervous. There's no need to be nervous. You're among friends. Now, you're, you're cat-obsessed, you say? Um, maybe not cat-obsessed. Well, yeah, I suppose we are. Yeah. Um, we got our first cat back in 1997. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was four months... Our daughter was born in January 97. Right. And we got the cat in May 97. This was Guinness, the cat. Yeah. Guinness. Yeah. yeah. Bl- black and white uh, cat. I a moggy. He was a moggy. He's not a thoroughbred. Right. Um, and then we decided to move back home um, in 2003. Mm-hmm. From where? London. All oh, right. Okay. Okay. And we, back in those days, I don't know what it's like now, but like there was only... Aer Lingus were the only airline that took pets. That's right, yeah. So to be able to take the cat home, we had to wait for two days. Our house was sold, everything was done and dusted. Um, the furniture was gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so we put the cat into a cattery for two nights. And we stayed in a hotel for two nights, so we could all fly back in the same plane. <laughs> right. <laughs> a cattery. I haven't heard that word in years. That's It's the real old term, isn't it? I suppose it is, yeah. yeah like a yeah. cat kennel, yeah. Cat kennels, yeah. yeah. But I remember yeah, hearing cattery, yeah. attached to the vets. What year was that, Miriam? Was it, did you say 2000? 2003. 2003, right, yeah. God, that's 20 yeah. years ago. Yeah, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did all that for a cat. Ah, oh. well, that's uh, like uh, you know. It doesn't matter what pet, what breed of pet you have. Uh, you just love your pet, and you know your your totally. Pet is yeah, so much part of your life. And what what brought you home? Did you decide you just had enough of London and you wanted to move back? 
Um, our daughter at the time was coming up to an age. What do we decide? Yeah. Do we bring her up in London? Do we back home? Um, do we move to Scotland? And we came home. Mm-hmm. And what part of London were you living in? Stratford. Ah, right. Yeah. Yeah. N- nice, lovely part of London, actually. Oh, lovely part yeah. of London. Yeah. It was then. It w- yeah, well, I suppose it's changed, really, hasn't it? I, I totally. Mean, yeah, I remember years ago, I, I lived near Islington, which back then was, um, it wasn't very like... posh area. It was very posh, it, it's very posh now, but it was very much kind of an Irish working class area then. Uh, now, yeah. one of the more expensive ones, but yeah. Uh, yeah and, 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 uh, so, you, you've, you've no regrets about coming back home, no? Oh, absolutely not. Right. No, you do. You miss parts of London, like you miss, I don't know, I suppose, easily accessibility to yeah. transport, to theatres, even though they're so expensive. Mm. Um, but no, no, home is home. Yeah, and Guinness, I presume, is, is long past Oh, now. Guinness, unfortunately, um, got mouth cancer. Oh, dear. So we had to have him put down. Ah. Uh. Um, but we cremated her. Right. So, <laughs> and we have a rashes. Ah, yeah. a, a little urn on the mantelpiece, yeah. A little urn, well, no, it's hidden away, but yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, lovely memories, though, Miriam. It's great to talk to you, and thanks for joining us. Not at all. You Thank take you. care. Good yeah, to you talk too. To you. Thanks, Miriam. Right. Take care. Bye. Um, and the point she's making is that so many people just love their cats; they're so important to them. Tony, going back to the dogs. How are you keeping? Are you there, Tony? Oh, yeah, I'm here, I'm here. So How you, are you doing? Very good, thanks. You had a Yorkie for years. Yeah, well, my mother had a Yorkie at home, you know, when we were living at home, and they just, uh, my mother called him Trampus, <laughs> after the Trampus in the Virginian. Was that Doug McClure, Trampus? That was, that was him. She yeah. Just, she adored him, I'm sure, like, you know, and that's, 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 that's where the dog's name came from, Trampus. Yeah. And, um, and he was a Yorkshire, he was a Yorkshire Terrier. And we had him for about, I'd say, 17 or 18 years. Wow. Oh, he was a great little fellow, no, as well, you know. But as I say, he got a bit of cancer then. Ah, oh, dear. Unfortunately, we had to put him down as well. But I suppose at 18 years of age, I suppose it was an ease to him anyway, you know. Yeah. The smaller breeds of dogs, can, can they're more prone to tumours and, and that, you know, which is very sad. And how old were you, Tony, when, when Trampus was, was ruling the house? Oh, sure, I was, I was probably, that was about maybe very late night, 70, very late 70s, no, maybe early 80s, you know. Mm. But I'd say it was maybe around 79, 1980, you know. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and like as I say, he was a great, he was a great dog, really, like, you know. Yeah. And, um, but he just adored my mother then, like, you know, my mother couldn't go nowhere without him, like, you know. Uh, my mother now would be going off the mass there on during the Sunday morning and the dog would be screaming to get out of her, like. <laughs> you know, he would be screaming to get out of her, like. But, uh, no, yeah. he was he was a great, he was a great dog, in fairness, like, you know. Yeah. But um, I had a kind of took on the tradition then as well. I got a Yorkshire Terrier then myself. Mm-hmm. And he was fourteen when he he got he actually got knocked down on the road, you know, two years ago. Oh dear! Well, I his name was Torres then after the Liverpool footballer. <laughs> oh, great name, great oh, name that after was a great player. Oh, oh yeah, that was a brilliant name. In fairness, like you know, yeah. But, uh, 
But I remember this fella then, like, you know, Taras, you know, and, like, I used to take Taras for walks. No, he'd never be on the lead. I, I never had Taras on the, on the lead in my life, you know. Mm. But uh, I remember one time, I suppose, like, you know, before he went to bed, then we had to go and get him cleared, you know, and we'd, like, you know, you'd do the business for themselves, like, you know. And one, he used to love the car, you know. So one night, I said to him, come on, we'll go for a walk. So he was going out for a walk anyway, and he saw it was a, there was a bit of rain there, you know. Mm. No way was he wanted to go out. Like, he did not want to go out in the rain, you know. And the wife says to me, she goes, why don't you tell him that you're taking him for a spin? <laughs> so I says, Grant, so I says, come on, we go for a spin. I tell you, no, he'd have went out in monsoons to go for a spin. Yeah. So I says, right, when I got him out anyway, I was walking up the road. And I looked behind and I couldn't find... Where was he? And where was he? He stopped outside the car waiting to get into the car. Oh. He wouldn't, he wouldn't even come for the walk and I had to take him for a spin in the end. That's amazing. They, they, give, <laughs> yeah, you the, they give you the best memories. You know, or they, I tell you, no, they do really, like, you know. But, you know, as you say, they always say, like, you know, a dog would love you it's all not more than himself. Yeah. And that's... And it's true, like, you know, I have a fella now at the moment, like, you know, it took me about a year to get another fella. And I have another fella here, and I would be John Yorkie. And his name is Buddy. And I tell you, oh, he's a great dog, no one fairness, like, you know. But if yeah. you say the word, if you say that word to him, no walk, like, you know, he's, he, he'd actually, he'd actually drag the coat off the, <laughs> the banister rail to yeah. go out. I, and you know, well, that's it. And you have to say, have to say things like W A L K instead of saying walk. You know. Yeah, I'm actually getting to we're, we're getting to the fact now that I think my dog's able to spell as well. That's just it. <laughs> <laughs> just by the way, just to see. Can you remember? Well, I know maybe your mother might have remembered this, but certainly is it, let's just see if anybody remembers this. Okay. Oh, okay. Virginian Tony. That's the Virginian, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Doug McClure, uh, and they Doug were, McClure, yeah. Do you remember the uh, town? The town they used to. The, the, it was Shiloh, wasn't it? Shiloh. That was that was it, Shiloh, Shiloh yeah. And you see, you see the, the head fella coming up first and the horse. That's right. And then you get all stuff joining in. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> great memories. Oh, that was a great show, actually. Great memories. Thanks a lot, Tony. Take care. Thanks very much, Gala. Take care, Yeah, bye. take care. Hello. Great to talk to you. Trampus from the Virginian. Trampus played by the great Doug McClure, who was a regular visit, visitor to West Cork, actually, uh, down through the years. Anyway, our number is 83 96 Brian's just said, I have two dogs. One's called Ringo and one's called Lennon. PJ will be back with you on Wednesday. And uh, uh, apparently one of the elves there has just said that he's in the process of putting up his fifth Christmas tree right now. So it's going to be Busy, busy Christmas in Coogan Towers, that's for sure, this year. 83 396 CUH Charity need your help, and they need to get a very important visitor to the hospital home for Christmas. And Claire Concannon is on the line. Hi, Claire. Good morning, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. And please give my very best wishes to everybody in CUH who uh, looked after me so well over the last two Christmases. I'm hoping to spend this Christmas at home. <laughs> but can, can, We are too. <laughs> can I just say... In the you, nicest possible oh, sense. <laughs> I know. And do, do you know something? And people people look at me like as if I'm, I'm kind of telling a joke. 
the the Christmas dinner I had last Christmas Day was absolutely <laughs> powerful, and the chef put up a little bowl of Brussels sprouts coated in butter. And do you know something? It was fantastic. Now, unfortunately, my hands were all bandaged, so actually my wife had to feed me the Christmas dinner, but it was beautiful. So uh, anyone who says that, you know, hospital food's not up to scratch, no, 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 I don't agree with that. But uh, let's come back to this, Claire. Uh, An interesting thing happened here. A patient called into the hospital, obviously for treatment, and tell me the story from there. Yes, so we had a, um, uh, it was in the paediatric ED area in the emergency department, um, and there is a little teddy that has been left. It looks like, in my opinion, it looks like a little sheep. Some people think it looks like a little monkey, um, but it is on our Instagram page if anyone wants to go and have a look at it. Um, It was left behind, and we do believe that at some point somebody called looking for this teddy, but he hadn't been found yet. So we do believe that someone is looking for him, and so now we're looking for this little teddy who we've nicknamed Buddy. Um, We're looking for Buddy's best friend so Buddy can go home for Christmas. And we know that as as the toy that was brought to hospital with a child, we know how important it is to a child. It's the thing that gives them comfort. It's the Mm -hmm. thing that makes them feel kind of okay in a scary situation. So we're, we're very sure that there is a little boy, little girl somewhere looking for, for this teddy. So now we have Teddy actively looking for their best friend. <laughs> yeah. And ha- have you any idea when when uh, Buddy was left behind? We believe a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it was about three weeks ago we're looking at at this stage. Um, and my colleague Zach put together um, a video and brought Buddy around the city to, to see if he could find his best friend. And Buddy went in the Ferris wheel to get a good view from high up um, <laughs> and went to the playground yeah. just to see if we could if we could find their best friend. But we haven't found the best friend yet. So we're still looking for, for Buddy's best friend. Right. And is Buddy, Buddy, <laughs> I presume, well, he's probably the longest person ever to be in A&E now at stage or have you moved him to a nicer part of the hospital he's now in the office with us so he's doing a little bit of admin and we're keeping him busy (laughs) answering phones and whatnot you know yeah it's just it's such a beautiful plan that you have and and i've no doubt it will work it will work so you think um small boy small girl brought their teddy along teddy uh you think it might be it's a teddy or it could be a sheep or it could possibly be yeah it looks like a little sheep to me but some people kind of on Instagram and stuff have been saying, oh, the poor little monkey. So it's one or the other. Yeah. <laughs> and it's actually, it has a little label on it. Um, and the label is, it's a it's a kinder toy. So it came from like a kinder egg or some sort of kinder toy, uh, whatever toys they were doing at some point. Um, he, it's a very loved teddy. It's yeah. got, you know, it, you can feel that the stuffing has been squished for, for many years. So um, we're desperate to, yeah. to get them home at this stage and be home for, for Christmas. But he's sitting here beside me now looking at me going have they found have they found my friend yet (laughs) (laughs) and has has he a little jacket on him or anything has he no it's just a little it's a to me it looks like a little black sheep um and it has a little uh kind of cream face then and cream feet um but it's it's really cute um and you can tell it's it's much loved much loved toy yeah well look in the event that he has to stay there he can have my bed this christmas okay 
<laughs> we'll make sure he has a good dinner. <laughs> yeah, oh, one of the best. Claire, we, if, 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 if we get a call from anyone, we'll pass on the information and it's great to talk to you and, and my very best wishes to everybody at CUH this Christmas. And ours to you as well. Thanks a lot, Claire. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much. Take Thank care. You. Bye-bye. That's Claire Concannon there from CUH Charities. So if you were in the paediatric A&E next door to the sort of mammies and daddies A&E uh, and you were there in the last two weeks and uh, whoever you were with, your your son or your daughter or whoever you brought in, left their little teddy or their sheep or whatever it was behind them, a kinder toy. Okay, uh, give us a call because we can then pass you on to Claire and to the team there. Uh, 083 96 96. Now we've teamed up with Magical Blarney, Cork's favourite Santa experience in Blarney Woollen Mills again this year. We're giving you the chance to win with Blarney Woollen Mills so you can experience their cosy Christmas cafe and shopping complex for yourself. It really is a beautiful place to go. Uh, not just in the run-up to Christmas, but all year round. You could win a €250 Euro voucher for Blarney Woolen Mills. Have a listen to this. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. Okay, so get texting now, okay? 083 We need to know the name of the Christmas song. We need to know the name of the Christmas movie. You heard some words from and the Christmas sound effect, okay? Text or WhatsApp your answer to 083 Now, it's panto time. And as usual, the pantos are busier than ever. Uh, Panto at the Everyman Cork and 96FM, Stephen Fox has been catching up with the stars of this year's production of Beauty and the Beast. I'm Catherine Mahan Buckley. I'm the producer and director of the Everyman Cada production of Beauty and the Beast, which opens on Saturday. You can imagine this is the getting week, so it's all mixing the cake and hoping that we put the right ingredients in, and then we'll have everybody taste it on Saturday. What can people expect? Well, everybody will know the storyline of Beauty and the Beast, and I'm very strong about keeping the line of the story true, because children do come, and when I say children, I include that the child within the adult as well come with that expectation and from that I draw a line on the actual storyline and then little branches off what if and I suppose we bring it up to the 2023 expectations of what children and what adults and you know you're competing against the media the computers the fast podcasts and so forth but you know live entertainment will never die and particularly they'll see the band in operation they'll have some of the songs they'll know the pop songs are introduced and the storyline and there's loads of fun slapstick comedy belly laughing and I, the most important thing is audience participation with the storyline this year with Beauty and the Beast I just got this idea I know that you know it's French I decided well that story can be anywhere so we're staging ours in Cork so we have the characters from Cork you have Luminaires called Sparky Sparky Looney and Cogsworth is called Shandon the Four Liars and the feather duster is Barbie because Barbie is huge this year as you know and then we have Gaspag we have to have a Ken Cork humour is great people love it they love the lilt they love the accent and they love the humour Humor. 
my name is Marion Goggin and I'm playing Belle. My name is Podrick Defusco and I'm playing the Beast. This is my 14th panto. <laughs> I started as a child. So I went all the way up to Ucada and I started with my junior course and I moved on to Handmaidens, which is kind of 16 every performance. And then during COVID, I played Cinderella in the Once Upon a Time with the Panto Stars. And then two years ago, I was Jasmine in Aladdin. And now I'm back as Belle. So a long road. <laughs> I haven't been in that many pantos. I've been in two. This is my second consecutive year. So last year I was the prince in Cinderella and then this year I'm the beast. Very happy to have my second panto about to be under my belt. I mean, we're just getting started, but... <laughs> I think the character is very different. Everything else has been the same. It's still the same fun, same same crack. There's a lot of familiar faces. There's some new faces. And it's really exciting getting to work with different people and seeing how those people work. And the music is amazing. I have some amazing solos on I'm just so excited to sing these songs. One's by Keen Ducrow, a Corkman. Really excited to get started. I think for myself, it's always the same feeling. I think it's very special for me because I grew up through it and every year that I get to be a principal role is just amazing. So there were people I idolised. Like everyone on stage there, so this is the first time working with Podrig and it's going great, I think. Yeah, so far. So far. <laughs> so far. <laughs> Two of the things that came up were bringing it forward into 2023, this kind of older story, and then making it Cork. How have you found that has been a challenge? Did it feel natural? Bringing the story forward um, Olin did the set design and it's very modern whoever comes to see the show is going to be blown away by the set and how futuristic it is I mean I, it's very special so I'll say that and then for the cork thing I mean you have Sparky Looney who's uh, the candlestick he's a proper cork man for me being from Waterford it's just so lovely obviously Dungarvan is quite close to the cork and I would have come to Cork City as a child a lot I get the humour and I think it's just hilarious and I just love the fact that I've been brought into this cocoon of Cork people and been made an honorary member of, of the Cork Panto community. <laughs> For the Cork side, the majority of us grew up here, so I think you get those little small like eggs that were able to be thrown in and it's great that you get that opportunity. So someone would be like, oh, I think this will be great here and it's added in and we all get a laugh out of it. So I think that kind of stuff just comes naturally. For myself, the script was amazing from the get-go and it was just trying to bring it to life and I hope I've done that for all of the little girls watching and anyone that's there really, I hope that they're looking at a bell and being like yeah that's what I want to be like it's an amazing experience and I I went into last year thinking oh I'll try panto and I wasn't sure how I'd feel about it and then I'm back again so I obviously do find some sort of joy doing it and seeing the kids faces and I remember leaving the theatre before and there'd be schools of kids and, and they'd be like oh my god it's Prince William like it's just lovely being able to take people in the audience and adventure and forget about everything that's going on out there and just come to Cork and have a good time Every Every single time I do it, it's it's amazing. I love being on stage. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if I didn't. It's a hard road. You have to love it. But I think just getting to interact and that first time you walk out and you see the children's eyes light up and they're clapping and everyone's you know, having a great time. For me, that's probably the most amazing thing that I can have. It's euphoric for me. Everyone brings something special. And this time, I think everyone is lovely. I've had a great time. I love the character Belle. I think she's amazing. And I'm sure I'll find other things as the panto goes on. It's going to be a real cork tradition with great fun, great laughter, having great interaction with the audience. Roar, shout, laugh, ball, be part of Beauty and the Beast and at the end of the night we'll decide whether you're the beauty or the beast. Beautiful. 
Panto time is here, that's for sure, at the Everyman Cork and 96FM. Stephen Fox there catching up with uh, the stars of this year's beautiful production of Beauty and the Beast. Now, uh, Janet Kelly is there. Hi, Janet. Good morning, Gareth. How are you? Very well, thank you. And uh, happy Christmas to you. Now, we're kind of surrounded... And many happy returns. Christmas sounds and everything. So, oh, yeah. um, now, let me just have a look down here now. Okay, we're going to play you the little clips again here now. So, mm-hmm. I'm look, looking for the name of the Christmas song, the Christmas movie, and the Christmas sound effect. Yeah. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. All right, so what do you think? Christ- yeah. Christmas it's song? It's Fairy Tale of New York. It is indeed. It's Home Alone. Home Alone. Home, home Alone Slay too, Bells. but I'll give you Home Alone. Yeah, you were two-thirds of the way there, okay? Okay. And then and Sleigh, Bells. Sleigh Bells. You're absolutely right. Now, who's at home for Christmas this year? Um, I have my daughter, son-in-law, my two grandchildren, and my brother for dinner. Right, okay. And then I'll have my other son and daughter-in-law and grandchild for breakfast. Brilliant. So, and are, are you, you're behind the cooker for the whole day then, are you? Are, ah, yeah, sure. Do you know what? To, that's part of the fun of it. Yeah. Having the family around the table for the dinner is Christmas to me. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I think there's something very therapeutic locking yourself away in the kitchen on your own for a few mm-hmm. hours. Or just having and your own space. It's actually easier to cook for a crowd, Gareth, than to cook for myself, yeah, to that, be honest. Which makes sense. That's, that's very true, yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. true. Okay. Oh, well, look, you're in Ballinlock, and I have I great news for you. You're after winning yourself um, a fabulous Blarney Woolen Mills voucher worth 250 oh, cool. euro. So, Fantastic. Yeah. So take yourself there, spoil yourself, have a lovely... I will indeed. ...late Thank morning you. snack or a nice lunch and have a look around at some of the great... I, I love the, 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 the home... I love Blarney for the Christmas. Home product. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just... Yes, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. We'll have a few new table settings maybe for Christmas Day this year with afternoon. Lovely. Oh yeah, I thought you were going to invite me. That's great. <laughs> You're more than welcome. The door is open. <laughs> Thank you so much. Happy Christmas to you, Janet. No problem. Happy Christmas, Garrett. Thanks Take a lot. Care. Bye-bye. Thank you. You too. Okay. Uh, anyway, um, well, I know where I'll be and I hopefully won't be seeing you, H. Anyway, now, Sarah, hi. Hi, Garrett. How are you? Very well. Very well. Uh, now, Elf on the Shelf. It's 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 just it's wonderful, isn't it? Um, but also, I think for 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 moms and dads, um, it's it's testing because you've got to kind of you, you know you've got to be part of the whole Elf on the Shelf thing too, Experience. don't you? Yeah. We do. Yeah, it's a, it's become a huge tradition, Garrett, in our house. I suppose in the last three to four years since my oldest can kind of you know, grasp the whole concept of the elves. Yeah. And um, since they started coming, and I suppose I was listening to the two ladies on there, you know, um, talking about all the elves on the shelf, the things that they do, and, you know, the inspiration that the elves need and that the elves bring then for their ideas, you know, when they're getting up to mischief. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Christmas can be a very costly time as well, I suppose, for everybody, and the elves are no exception to that, you know. The elves are trying to save their pennies as well, and I think when the elves come to your house, sometimes they don't come with any, you know, props, so they have to go around the house looking for what they can use. Right. Like, the elves have come to our house so many times in the, in the last, you know, three Christmases, and they've used... My plastic bags have been torn to shreds. They've made their own plastic bags and hopped on top of my little boy's garbage truck. They cut open my bottle of Coke, and they were, you know, inside it and locking themselves into it, and... Anything in my house now is not safe when the elves arrive. They're going through every drawer, every cupboard, all my toilet rolls. They're using the whole lot and making a massive mess in the process. But, you know, 
they seem to be saving their money because they're using everything in the house. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's actually a great point because, I mean, obviously they are mannerly, the elves, but then they, they, they tend to think differently to us, don't they? They do, they do. And, you know, I suppose the girls were saying their main job is to throw poor back to Santa every night and let them know, you know, if the kids are all behaving and that's a very important part of it. But then sometimes they come and they want to do pranks and they want to cause mischief, which my guys anyway especially love the mischief they love when mum has to come down and clean the whole kitchen because the elves have decided they're going to have a hoolie in the middle of the night <laughs> um, but it, it really the idea of itself the elf on the shelf is just it's so genius that Santa would send them down you know for the whole month of December um, a long long month yeah. <laughs> that's the kids are being watched but um, I find that it keeps them in check we have an elf camera now as well in the bedroom at home and oh. um Anytime there's any misbehaving, I'm saying, look, the elf is looking now on that monitor and they're not long uh, standing back into lane, I'm telling you that now. <laughs> yeah, I'd say Santa's delighted to get rid of them, though, for the few weeks because he's done oh, a lot of hard work, hasn't he? I, he's done a lot of hard work now, Gareth, um, mm. and the elves themselves have done a lot of hard work with the toys and everything, but I'd say Santa's happy then, you know, when they're gone because they're, as I said, now they can be right little mischief makers. But, yeah, I was just listening to the ladies on there and I was saying... You know, sometimes they come with the pops, but sometimes they just go through the drawers for everything and anything at home and they'll come up with unbelievable ideas. I come downstairs and I'm like, how did they think of this? How did they actually make snowmen out of my toilet rolls? You know, they do all these funny things. That's genius. That's brilliant. Genius. My son's underwear have been hanging on the fridge. They've gotten stuck in it. Um, You know, everything and anything they will use. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. absolute geniuses. Sarah, yeah. listen, have a lovely Christmas. It's great to chat you to you. You too, Gareth. Great take, show as always. Take care. You're thank you. Great. Oh, thank lovely you so much. Great, Sarah. Happy thank you. Christmas. Take bye. care. Bye. Thank bye. you. Bye bye. Bye bye. I, 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 I better be on time here because I know that the elves are watching me as well. Today's show was edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. <laughs> Wayne is on the desk, and I'll be back with you bright and early tomorrow morning from nine.